Welcome to The Whole Metaverse, a New York University School of Professional Studies podcast exploring the ever-expanding metaverse and Web3 landscape. Each episode, we'll talk to the pioneers, influencers, and innovators leading the way. If you want to understand and better navigate this burgeoning space, you're in the right place. Welcome to the whole Metaverse podcast, the NYU podcast about the Metaverse. I'm Pierre Gervois, and I'm here with Dr. Elizabeth Hess. We are the co-host of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure to have Mrs. Lonefold Strader, the CEO of the blockchain company Concordia. Mrs. Strader is also vice chair of Volvo Cars and director at IKEA. Part of what I love about this interview is she's really been disruptive at big companies like Credit Suisse and IKEA. And her son said she didn't even know how to spell blockchain. Let's see what she has, what we can learn from her. So you have an amazing and fascinating professional experience. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about the metaverse, blockchain, and the future of Web3. How does it feel to go from working for huge billion-dollar corporate company like Volvo or IKEA and jumping into the future as a CEO of a blockchain, which is completely different? From a personal perspective, how do you feel? Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> Thank you. So I like to challenge myself. Um, I was an athlete when I was young, hurdle runner, and that is surely to um, put difficult hurdles up to watch yourself, literally speaking, at an early age. So I like that. I like to challenge myself and jumping to blockchain because it's a groundbreaking new technology was um, a given thing for me to really understand what is Web3. And how can you apply this in the large corporations? So I feel good about having taken this challenge. Tell us what Concordian does and what, how it got started. Yeah, so this is a layer one blockchain. So it's a permissionless blockchain, but with ID at the protocol level. So you can't use the blockchain if you are not ID'd. And that means that everybody would have, say, a number, a hashtag, tech, um, you, you don't put the ID for, for um, privacy reasons on the blockchain, but a reference to the ID. So if the regulator wants to see who have done this transaction at a given point in time, you could with um, ID uh, revocation, you can literally find out who have done what. We have the background from financial institutions when Concordium was founded in 2018. It was founded by Lassaya Christensen, who is also a founder of Saxo Bank, one of literally a project number 100, I think, at the internet at that point in time. So he saw, here we go again. We have another layer of the internet where we can build other type of applications, just as I was thinking when I, I started Saxo Bank. And um, at that point in time, there was not so much regulation around FX trading, just to mention something. But we have seen everything coming to, to financial institutions both in the US, in Europe, other places in the world. And we saw but the same is, is, is also going to, to happen to the crypto world. And, and the blockchain is kind of, we are not a crypto company, we are a blockchain company, but we must prepare and assist 
those who are building projects at the blockchain to do that in a regulatory compliant way. So that is a whole sort, which is very different from um, being a crypto com company. We are, we are not in that sense at all, anarchists or disruptors or anything. We're just building blue chip software with a lot of the features from the sort behind um, the blockchain protocols, which are very, very usable. Because if you get to think about it, what you want as a regulator in banks, the compliance is very difficult because it is at the end of the day all the way down to human errors. So uh, here you can take a smart contract, you can predefine it, you can have that validated even together with a regulator or self-regulated. This smart contract that works works in accordance with a given set of, of things you need to live up to uh, to comply with the regulation. Then when people use that, you can only use it if if you fulfill that. If if the elements are not there, it simply doesn't work. So you don't need to test it afterwards. And and then it's there forever. And people can look at it if it's made at public blockchain. Everybody can can validate anything. So I think blockchain in essence is the regulator's dream, which is quite funny when Bitcoin was made by anarchists and here you go with an anarchistic project. It's really the regulator's dream. So I, I think that makes the circle full. When did you step in as CEO and why? Yeah, so this was back um, four years ago. I was an advisor to the project um, and I was then asked to, um, because I asked so many questions and apparently had opinions. So I was asked to become the CEO. And that's first I thought, um, well, even my son said, mom, you can't even spell blockchain. You don't know what it is. You can't say yes. And I thought, but this is really a challenge. It's a good challenge. So I actually took a course at MIT to, because we have some of the best um, postdoc and professors um, in, in Q computer science, et cetera. So I thought, I'm a lawyer of training and, and I'm an economist. So I, I do have my education, which is quite different from being closer to computer science. So that was why as a provocation to myself, that has paid off very well, I think, because you get very computer savvy, uh, blockchain savvy, but also um, computer science savvy. So I think in the world now where most companies are and number one on, on their strategic map is digitalization. So what does that really mean and what can we do? So, and then on the other hand, most of the uh, blockchain um, projects say many are made by, say, young people who have great ideas, um, but just as when we, for example, in our venture funds in, in say, Balbukas, we take a lot of interesting projects in not necessarily to invest in them, but also to assist them in understanding. If you want to do procurement with large cooperation, how do you do it? So you can add a lot by doing that. People with great ideas, very often what they lack is to understand that the idea is so little compared to the whole world. You need to understand the legal side, the, the uh, marketing side, the branding side, um, maturing the product. A lot of things, which is a shame if you don't, say, have somebody who can assist you in doing it because then a great idea often get lost just because the world is so complicated. And I think this is what we have also in Concordium and are putting into our grant program. That is to assist the projects which are building on, on the blockchain with a lot of these elements. And this is also what I have brought to, um, to that part. 
I just have the feeling that this is something you need to know and and know the disruptive um, uh, software, the statistics um, uh, in the late 50s companies, fourteen five hundred companies became kind of 60 years plus in average and now it's down to 18 years. We die as teenagers when we are 4,500 companies. And why is it? It's simply because you don't understand how to innovate yourself very often. So I saw being on, on uh, one of the leading directors of, of Volvo Cars, who is now migrating everything from building a car with components to building a car with a chip as, as a central compute and, and a total new sales model with subscriptions instead of selling and totally new technology with electrification and totally new platform. Everything is new and, and like putting um, something out in, in space, it's very good to be kind of a forerunner on, on new technology. So this has given me at what I, I wanted was to provoke myself to really understand, first of all, how can you apply this technology to real life use cases, but also how can you improve the technology, which is in such an infancy um, as it is right now? And um, how can you then kind of disrupt the disruptors is what we're doing in Concordium. Do you have a definition for blockchain? Um, no. I, it, it, funny enough, we were discussing that earlier today. It's, it's interesting you asking. I would rather say that what we're doing is that we're putting solid cryptographic protocols together. So third parties can interact. You can create trust with our ID. So we have also solved that problem of a decentralized uh, ledgers where um, people normally would not be able, since you don't have a middle name, uh, middleman, you must be able to create trust because if you can't create trust, then you can't really transact. And that we have also solved. So this is Technology, downloadable technology, which allows people to interact uh, and create trust in an immutable and transparent way. That is the definition of our blockchain. And then you can add on to say, then we have added protocols, finalization protocols. So ours is a deterministic blockchain. Um, Ethereum is, for example, a probabilistic, so it does roll back. We say, why should it roll back? You want to have things um, so when it's final, it's final instantly. So we have this finalization protocol, it can't roll back. We have also, because that's another thing, um, the variation of the transaction fees on, for example, now I'm picking at this year, but it's the same for most, that it goes up and down with the value of, of the ESA, but ours is pegged to a, a fiat. So because again, coming from financial institutions, you want to have transaction fees going towards zero and stable and predictable. Otherwise, you simply can't use the product. And then um, we have another thing because, yes, we do have the ID. So you, you could eventually, but by court order, find out who have done what at what given point in time. But uh, we have shielded transactions because that's another thing you can do. Anonymous tran transactions um, on most blockchains, but everybody can see what has been done. What you really want is the opposite. You want to make shielded transactions, but with the accountability. So we have turned that upside down. So this is basically um, the, the core functionalities of 
our definition of what a blockchain is? You think there are too many blockchains. We have Ethereum, Tezos, Solana, Cardano, Concordium. What do you feel? Do you need as many blockchain as we can possibly have? Do you think there will be consolidations in the future? What are your thoughts? So there are too many blockchains today uh, which are not adequate. So a lot of blockchains are made out of syncering processes. That means that they are simply not safe, secure, solid. And this is exactly what you want to have with blockchain. That's immutability. You want to have solid cryptographic protocols. Now, NYU is a university. You know all about science. And what we use science for in Concordium is to make sure that, first of all, the protocols are made out of science, peer-reviewed protocols. So we have scientists from Aarhus University, amongst others, ETH. We have published um, from COPA, Concordium Blockchain Research Center in Aarhus in Denmark, more than 70 science papers, which are peer-reviewed. And then we take the science papers, we convert them into what we call blue papers, and from that, we do the coding. And then when the coding is done, we do the verification, third-party verification that it's actually, say, coded in accordance with uh, whatever proofs we, we need to have coded in from the science paper. So when you read, and, and this is a hobby of ours to read um, a code and, and other people's white paper, it doesn't really ma often make sense. And when you read the white paper and you then look at the code, that doesn't match either. So there is a lot where, yes, we understand why things are breaking down. We understand why you see the back doors in bridges, etc. Because it's a very, very immature uh, world still. So yes, there are too many blockchains which you can't use in the financial sector or you can't use it. Or I would even say most of the blockchains very few of the blockchains you can use in as blue chip software. But that will, say, clean itself up. And I think the industry last year already started really, say, to wash out. And I have seen that in many, many industries before, semiconductors, biotech, uh, just to mention a few. We have had the uh, IT bubble years back. So I think that is very natural when you have something new. You're located in Denmark, is that right? Well, in Norway, sorry. Well, the company's also in Switzerland, is that right? Yeah. I'm curious as to why it's in Switzerland, and is the Swiss government doing anything to help you, encourage you, encourage the industry? Yeah, so um, it's in Switzerland because it's a foundation, and uh, the founder is, is also living in Switzerland. But Switzerland have a quite um, good blockchain and, and crypto environment, um, First of all, you need to understand what kind of legislation is there. So in terms of how can you do the funding of the company and uh, that you can navigate around, what does it mean to be a foundation in Switzerland, which is making a blockchain? So this is why Switzerland was, was chosen. So that has, a, um, Switzerland have a good regulation in place, but now Europe and Switzerland is basically building the same kind of regulatory framework about everything not covering blockchain because blockchain as such is not regulated by the um, entire crypto space. So in Europe, um, cryptocurrencies like we are a payment token and that could be listed at exchanges. Um, 
the European and the Swiss regulator don't see that as security token. So that's a little different from the views um, in in the US. But I, I think that is all. It it will go to the same kind of uh, regulatory framework. I, I can see everything is in that direction, which I think is good. You need simply clarity and you need to have um, a regulations which foremost is protecting the users and, and investors. So I, th- I, I think that is moving in the right direction. Earlier you indicated that you really think that this technology will be disruptive. What do you think it'll disrupt if you kind of look out to the future where yeah. will these disruptions be and what's important for your foundation to do? What I think it's disrupting is that we can interact. We don't need a certain card. And so I think that is very, very interesting. I like when things are becoming self-regulated um, as much as you can do. Take your identity. You have your identity when you are born, you are given your identity. But then in many countries, even in, in our well-functioning uh, Scandinavian countries, you can queue up if you want to have your passport renewed. It like six months later, you can get a new passport. So if if you haven't done that in time and didn't have time or was not aware that you had queue up, then suddenly you don't have a passport for a given point in time. You can't really cross borders, etc. So a, a lot of things, um, I think, should move back to yourself as an individual person. Nearly 3 billion people in the world doesn't even have a, an identity. Many women don't have their own identity. The men are carrying their identity. I can't even put my, my uh, self-declaration for tax into um, uh, Switzerland without my husband signing mm-hmm. it. So there's a lot of things which it's moving back to you as, as you, I can decide. A lot of things is pushed to you. So instead of pushing and, and allowing people to push a lot of things to you, like apps, for example, um, you need to be able to regulate that and, and, and have tools where you can kind of be your own owner of your own equity and, and be like, who, who do you want that can knock on your door? Otherwise, they should stay away. This is one great thing you can use blockchain for. So I like that element. Another thing is to have things validated. There's so, so much fraud in this world. We will come with a really cool, and we should speak again, we'll come with it. Um, a cool device, which is kind of Elon Musk go home with your blue stamp and validation of your Twitter account. Again, that should not be up to him or up to the others. We, we can do that with our technology. So I can decide what I want to validate and how I can validate it. And that can be validated. My social profiles can be validated right back to my verified identity. So I think these things, I really like that because to move the power back to us as individuals, I think that that is very healthy for for the world. According to you, what are the three industries that will be the most impacted by blockchain. Can you give us three industries? I think um, all industries first, because take what you can do, um, you can build in Metaverse. Take multiple cars, what we can build is now, you can order a car, you can subscribe to a car. You could give a NFT, a digital twin of that car, already when you order the car. I would love to have my digital twin. Then I can go home to the family, we could... In Metaverse, we could play with a car. We could 
we could mm. drive the car, we could start trading, we race it, we could put it up for, um, for example, for training. If I want to learn how to uh, run my car more economically or more safe, or so that is one thing to create for that industry a total new engagement. I wouldn't even call it with your customers. I would also say it allows us to turn customers into our ecosystem. So we would have a totally different uh, rapport with our ecosystem, our, our customers, and, and that you could put into all industries. I could also use Metaverse for, for, for marketing, NFT for marketing. I could wrap things in. I could give that away. Uh, a nice content, which, which you really would, would like to have, the first drawings of something or sketches of something or a lot of things uh, you could you wrap in. So I think these things you can use for all industries. But then there's the other thing to kind of have validation of things. Um, so I think for the whole pharma industry, for, for validating um, medicine, is, is that original? I think that whole validation part is, is there. So why don't people use it much? But also, again, for all industries, like bought meetings, when you do the, the minutes of meetings, you really want to have that immutable because later you don't want anybody to be able to control was this really the minute or was it that contracts immutability there again nobody can use pdf i mean it takes a split second it's nearly um, ridiculous to use pdf because, uh, everybody just opening them converting them into a, a word document and start say redrafting them but here you can have immutability but that's again for for all industries so I think very much on, on these kind of things, I see it as kind of pan-industrial. In, in so I think it, it, this will be a technology which could impact everything. And what about government and the democratic process? How can we use the blockchain, for example, in the voting process? We have a very interesting um, science project. It's a science project. We don't even know whether eventually it will be built at Concordium, but we also like to allocate funds to do science projects. Um, we have it um, together with people looking into Greenland as a part of, of Denmark. And Greenland has um, the possibility to do digital votation and blockchain would be, we think, very suited for, for this. And now you want science-wise to test whether you can do something which is software agnostic, meaning that the software itself would not have an impact on the results. So this is a science project, and I think that is very exciting, and, and I think uh, it's excellent to do blockchain uh, quotations. We have another group in Japan, a political party in Japan, have uh, built a use case on our blockchain, so they use it. This is something. Governments can also use it to um, issue your identity, uh, a blockchain-based identity, we all had our, our um, COVID uh, certificates, but when you show it, nobody knows, is that original? And who issued it? And those who issued, could they at all issue it? So all that you can do on blockchain. So you can not only validate that this is you who have that certificate, but also that those who did issue it actually had the right to issue it. Or you for NYU, you can put all your examinations on, on blockchain or your proof that I took this education, etc. 
put it on blockchain because this is another nightmare, as you know, as a university to have people and people come from all over the world and you have to validate, do they at all have that e- education, etc. So that that is also something we're working with. Certifications, for example, for seafarers, that's another thing. People come with their certification. I can run a container vessel and can you really, and do you have that certification? Blockchain-based um, register also here for, for CFELs education is what we're working on. So a lot of things um, could be so easy also for your, your health files. I have, for example, the keys to my mo- mother's health file to, to assist her. But I think it's intimidating that if she wants to go to a dentist, that dentist could really look at what happened when she was having her pregnancies uh, like, 60 or 70 years ago. So I, I think you can shield off a lot of things. You can really give privacy back to people, but still share the elements which really needs to be shared. But I think most of all that you turn away from the big mainframe data centers where you don't know who is controlling your information. There's a philosophy sort of in everything you're saying about privacy and sharing. And, and um, what are your biggest challenges here? and trying to kind of create the right mindset and what you're doing and the right kind of protection because it's so critically important and not clear to me how we align all the pieces in the right way. So there are a lot of challenges. The first challenge is to do the the, the right, say, um, technology to have that in place. And I, I think we have literally some of the best um, science-based coders in the world. So that is one thing. It, it really needs to be solid um, because it, most of the things are meant to be immutable. So that is one piece. And it takes time just to have a decentralized governance um, system in place. Um, is not a trivial thing. It is a science skill in itself to develop a decentralized system. So there are a lot of things, as you say, which does take time. And that's the other thing. You need time to develop and you need time to make things right. And I see a lack of interest. It's amazing what people have invested in this space, like without any due diligence on anything, because a lot of also institutional investors, et cetera, have been so kind of, ah, it must sound um, young and it must sound smart and all the kind of buzzwords and, and way spreads a little bit in the surface, you see, but this is not really solid. So I think that is a challenge in itself. The other challenge is to um, explain it because it's difficult. Is a car car, is blockchain just blockchain? Really to, to kind of end up having something which is easy, which is blue stamped, which is like, I come from the country of Lego, which is like Lego boxes. So you can just use it very easily and you can have some standard elements you put together because it's a kind of fine smaker industry where everybody seems to want to um, develop their own language, for example, and what all these languages are called. And it's so fragmented what people are building. That is a challenge. And I think it will end up kind of we are we're building in Rust because Rust is is a quality language. It's it's um, a language which is also taking a little energy. So it's also a green language, but it's also a language where you can code things without having too many uh, flaws in the coding. So there are a lot of these elements. It's difficult, but at the end of the day, this is just another software, and this is also where many people probably are a little mistaken that. 
it is so special because it's crypto and it's blockchain. It is not. It is all the same. It's the same rules which applies. It's the same mechanism, etc. The only thing which is different is literally that you're engaging with a community. So that is very different and that you need the decentralization and you need to track it for a sufficient amount of people to run the nodes, which is also in the industry in itself. So to balance between running nodes and, and encouraging people to do it, to buy the token in, also, in order to be a part of the security of the blockchain and, and not just wanting a high uh, proceed from staking um, and then gravitating to something which, again, would make a very decentralized blockchain not being decentralized anymore because you have a lot of staking pools where people are gravitating to. So all the time, what we're looking at is not to be the most popular in the class, but to do things which are literally science-proved, which can sometimes be a challenge because this might not be what interests people short-term, but I think long-term, this is so interesting because you can really do things right. So I have two more questions. One is, um, if, if you were going to come to NYU's collaborative to get information, what would be of most value to you that we could provide? I think um, we never stop, say, um, asking questions about um, how should it work? There's still a lot of things like I, I said about decentralization. That goes both into computer science and law because what can you actually decentralize and who is then accountable? And is it just that you provide something and throw away the software key so once you have done it, nobody can touch it? So I think these um, things where actually there are a lot of things which kind of come from one area, but quickly moves into another. I think that's the most interesting thing uh, we could discuss with NYU. That is all these kind of, of borders to other areas where these needs to meet in order to make something which is sustainable, which is decentralized, and which can also scale. That's another thing. And to the design, it needs to be effective for people. It needs to be easy. It needs to, to have that kind of newness, otherwise it won't be used. So I, I think it's the right thing you have done, taking that in a university where you mentioned some of the areas we can, we can add to that list. So I, I think blockchain is extremely interesting projects, like holistic projects for a university and for those who are making a blockchain simply can't do it without interaction with universities. Why did you choose to be a foundation? It is simply because then everybody can use a blockchain and just download it. And I think for me, who have been in a commercial business all my life, it is so nice to do something where take it, take it, take a copy, download it. So this is available for everybody. This is, this is our presence for the world. So it's to make sure that the mindset is one of openness. Yes. That's why it needs to be a foundation. Yes. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Lawrence von Schroeder. We're definitely going to keep an eye on Concordium application. I started to, to check out the, the, the application you're building, and I'm going to do a deep dive into these projects. It was really, really interesting. So 
Dr. Hasden, I would like to thank you very much for your time and your firsthand explanation and thoughts uh, about uh, this blockchain. So on behalf of NYU, thank you very much for being on the Old Metaverse podcast. And we wish you a lot of success for Concordia and all your other uh, professional uh, ventures. So thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Whole Metaverse, a podcast from the New York University School of Professional Studies Metaverse Collaborative. The Whole Metaverse is produced by Make More Media. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe for more content. For more information about the NYU Metaverse Collaborative, please head to www.sps.nyu.edu.